the people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history. And... Welcome back to another episode of Sake on Air. Thank you very much for joining us once again. We are recording in Tokyo, Japan, with the very generous support of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association. Today, we are very lucky to welcome a special guest who is renowned in the bartending community here in Japan, but also has a lot of experience overseas. I'm talking about none other than Mr. Soran Nomura. Mr. Nomura is a bar director and, of course, bartender, but it goes much deeper than that. He initially started out in London, England back in 2005 and for a number of years cut his chops in the bartending community there. In 2013, he moved back to Japan and from the following year, he was the head bartender at Fuglen here in Tokyo, which he did from 2014 to 2017. Following that, he did a number of different things, including opening his own consultancy called ABV Plus. He's also worked as a spirits ambassador for a spirits company. Uh, he was the bar producer and manager at a very famous hotel K5 in Nihonbashi for a while. And he's worked on bottled cocktails and all sorts of other consulting um, business and projects. And finally, and perhaps most interestingly for us today, in May of 2022, he opened Nomura Shoten, a very, very popular bar in downtown Tokyo. And more recently, in January of this year, he opened Quarter Room, which is another denizen of the cocktail scene in Tokyo, Japan. We are very excited to welcome None other than Mr. Soran Nomura. Thank you for joining us. Hi, guys. Nice to meet you. Thank you for uh, um, the journey uh, this time. Yep. Thank you. So today is your, is your non-bar day. Is that right? And that's why we're able to talk to you <laughs> for a podcast? Yeah, that's true. Um, Nomura Shoten is, is normally day off on... Uh, Uh, Monday, and then I have to do other things in the uh, every uh, Monday, Tuesday as well. So, yeah, there's no no bar day today. All right. Well, thank you for giving us part of your afternoon. And also joining me behind the decks today,、uh, also in Tokyo, is Marie Nagata. Marie, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Chris? Very good. You'll know that Marie is a co host on many of our shows here. And I'm very excited to have her as my. My wing host, because, and she might not say this out loud, but she really likes shochu these days. Oh, I know. It's a dirty secret that I've been trying to <laughs> hide, but well, the cat's out of the bag now. So, welcome to the dark side. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, let's get right into it. I want to hear all about your origin story as a bartender. How did you, how did you get into this? How did you become? A bartender and eventually all the way, you know, where did this start? Right.、Um, as alcohol, I, when I was、uh, 18, 19, I started drinking, which is not allowed to, but、uh, which is my hobby anyway. And then I went to London because I have to study, I really want to study arts. So that's why I, I studied abroad to the London. Um, but by the time it's like、uh, currency of the money was quite expensive.、Uh, I saved lots of money in Japan, but I couldn't afford until like how many days? Like a six, eight months. And then I started thinking that I should work somewhere. And then my friends who were working in a, a bar in, in London,、uh, he asked him, he's like,、uh, why don't you work at a bar? Because you like alcohol, I mean, drinking alcohol. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a good, good idea. And then I joined a, a bar called uh, uh, Big Chew Bar in East London. It's just like a, a big lounge bar, huge, long, tape,、uh, long counter. Every like, Friday, Saturday was sm- so packed. 
And then I start with the uh, barbacking, which is no, almost no English. Yeah. I only have, uh, I was only talking like just yes or no. And uh, <laughs> I'm trying to guessing what they're saying. <laughs> that's my, like, that's my, like, get into the bartender. That means you were probably a very popular barback because you just you probably just did what was needed what was necessary yeah right you were probably yeah, that's really exactly effective. what i was thinking too <laughs> yeah yes and, or no is all it takes yeah it's really harder hard thing but uh i started working a couple of months and then the manager understood like japanese are really hard worker so i started like a bartender quite quickly nice so how long did you stay at that one did you stay at the lounge and work there for a while or did you move around um, the bar, I s only like a one or two months as barbacking and I start the bartender. And then I met so many different types of bar attenders uh, around the, the area. And then I think in that bar, I stayed like a couple of years. And then I moved on uh, two more bars afterwards. But that is my like main, like, a, like my bar beginner place, like my, uh, fast press of the bartender yeah wow one to two months of barbacking and straight into bartending that's a very fast track into bartending i think i guess so yeah um there's so many like different types of uh uh people working with us so it was really fun and uh and also like uh lots of people coming as well so it was a really fun time and then i i think i learned a lot of English over there too. <laughs> yeah, best, the best way to education. learn a language, yeah. right? <laughs> How cool. If it hadn't been for young Soran running low on his funds, we would have never had this pleasure of, you know, having you as this renowned mixologist and, you know, consultant in the alcoholic space. So thanks for that, I think, That's to true. young Soran. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's like I... Beginning was just uh, making money, but uh, started making cocktails, which is kind of interesting for me because uh, the people like ordering cocktails, like, uh, you know, garnish. Mm. It's a good garnish. It's bestseller. And then I started, why? And then because the people like, uh, you know, it's artistic of uh, garnish. It's like, they like the artistic garnish. So, and I started, oh, okay. Uh, I can do it because I, I studied art as well. So, and then that's kind of more like, uh, as you guys say, like mixosis, like or like a bar, proper bartender. And that was the beginning too. So I was so happy to understand, like uh, start a bartender over there and also like uh, got the hint of the like, garnish was good for the customer as well. Yeah, the presentation obviously is key. And it's funny how quickly, I'm sure you know this, you you make one of these drinks with a beautiful presentation and then everybody at the bar wants one, right? So then you're all of a sudden making six of them at once. Um, so would you say that that is something big that you took or that maybe that you brought back to Japan from your experiences in London was the the value of the garnish? Is that one of the big things? And are there any other big things? So after the while, I started like a more cocktail bar in London. And then I'm making like a homemade syrup or like a homemade, like some liquor stuff. And then uh, I, when, as I realized it quite recently, but uh, by the time I think the same thing, I was thinking about it, which is um, uh, drink is the so many layers. But that's kind of uh, uh, when you painting or like the the how do you say like uh, mix with the different colors, which is new colors, right? So these two colors is if you instead of any like a flavor mixed together, another next level flavor come out. That's kind of my uh, kind of sort of my logic of uh, how to create a new flavor. Um, by the time I just trying out myself like boom, 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 boom. And then I think uh, when I was consulting job, uh, I like uh, this color, this flavor and this flavor is matching, but why? 
And I realized that's because color. Color is similar or before, for example, like a half, green half, and also like tomato, it's mixing really well because for me, the tomato is red color, but half is green color. But tomato is like, uh, used to be like, became green and then red. So the green and red is actually uh, tomato really uh, getting matching really well. So that's kind of color and also flavor is actually like a really mixed well. Uh, that's my like key points be like about Zen that is really fun and also like interesting, like uh, logic and uh, I don't know, like uh, new flavor come out. Does it make sense? That's really interesting. <laughs> so for you, recipe creation involves painting it's like painting for you so so yeah it's color and flavor is always like uh not exactly equal but there's a hint mm. it's really close and then what we're gonna put together there's the the uh I don't know, something like uh the uh sort of texture or like a flavor or like a, something like putting together and then everything really going well. It's hard to tell in English, but uh, yeah, that's my like a logic now. So like, uh, I think it's the, when I was bartender in London, that is, uh, I started like think about it. Yeah, I totally think, you know, bartenders are kind of like modern day wizards, right? Cause you take one plus one and then you don't come out with a two, you yield a three. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I mean, you can try to like as a me as an average person you can try to sort of replicate or try my hand at making a cocktail at home and it's okay but it's never like take one plus one and then wow like you're getting four or five so i think in that sense what you guys do behind the bar it takes a lot of attention to detail you know really fine tuning and i think it's really therefore you know part art and really part science and I love how you're sort of bringing your background in studying art into your philosophy into making cocktails. Yeah, that's true. It's like a wizard. <laughs> Someone said yeah. that. Yeah. I have often thought that good bartenders are kind of like a chef behind the bar mm. in terms of they're working with flavors and colors, as you say. And I think I think that that's a really fascinating new way to talk about this process. And I know that you do, you're working on all sorts of things right now. And maybe we can start to bring this conversation along the timeline a little bit to returning to Japan and all of the amazing things that you've been doing over here um, since, what was it, 2013, 2014. Um, we remember, because both of us were at your event at the the JSS information mm -hmm. center yep. a couple yep. of weeks ago yep. uh, when you mixed some cocktails featuring Japan's indigenous spirits. And we both remember that you said that you had only recently really begun to think about shochu and awamori seriously. You were only recently you know, kind of formally introduced. Mm -hmm. So for us, that means that you didn't really use those drinks when you were in England. That's a much more recent thing in your career. Is that right? Yeah, so, uh, that's uh, that's right. But um, it's just because uh, the shochu is more like local drink. So it never never think like um, using with a cocktail. And I also like a alcohol ABV is quite low. Uh, normally the shochu is like 25 uh most likely like 30 which is not like um uh, uh it's not i'm not saying no but uh it's hard to mix with other flavor uh but recently they are changing generation and then they're trying to like um uh um they're making like a new uh shochu and also like uh interesting flavor from a sweet potato or like uh a barley or rice yes yes that yes that's right uh there's so many like types of uh uh flavor coming on that's why i really interesting about uh to use uh cocktail with it 
Um, but to be honest, I was looking at the Amami Oshima when I was uh when I was in London, trying to make uh uh sorry, not make uh trying to pick up uh Lurikakes, which is like an Amami Oshima rum. That's really uh, early time they started making that rum in Japan. I was like, wow, making rum in Japan? It's okay. good. Yeah, that's true. And then I brought back to London and then trying to taste all of my friends. Hey, that's rum in Japan. Try, try, try. It's so nice. Uh, I just remember that like, uh, when I was talking about this and then I was like, ah. Oh. So I've already started like I think uh, maybe like shochu or aomori or kokuto uh, jochu, which is um, uh, rum, based on rum, uh, becoming much better in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's really an interesting sort of your side of story to hear, because one of the things that I wanted to ask you today is to sort of the, you know, what were some events or maybe certain bottles that got you to focus more on Japanese spirits, you know, given your background in London in mixology, I thought perhaps natural progression would be to just kind of, yes, you know, specialize on some ter certain types of spirits, but it didn't necessarily have to be. Japanese rum or shochu, for that matter, because as you pointed out earlier, shochu is often considered a little trickier to use in in cocktail um, recipes. So yeah, I was just like when I heard your story the other day at the JSS event, I you know one thing I knew I wanted to ask you immediately is exactly how did you go from mixology and in London into focusing more on Japanese spirits and to see that you know you mentioned Rurikakesu from mm. Amami Oshima would you say that was one of the starting points of how you got into Japanese spirits? I think that is one of those uh, like uh, new how should I say kind of impact of uh, uh, Japanese product but uh, since then I, that was uh, probably like a when I was in London, so ten, more than ten years ago. Uh, even though when I came uh coming back uh to Japan to try uh to go to the izakaya, there's a normal shochu or nihonshu. So I didn't really more mention to myself like using uh Japanese product. So, so that's uh around five years ago. That is more my for me like uh try to Japanese product more for uh cocktails or uh trying to introduce other country people because that is really nice uh drink so that's that's um maybe like my point was really kakesu 10 more than 10 years ago but uh since then i didn't really like mention myself because i i like more like a, a, a spirits from outside gin whiskey and uh, sometimes uh uh i don't know wine as well but uh to make a cocktails actually like a five uh six years ago that's my point of uh uh my i don't know uh maybe a change in my life of uh shochu are there any distilleries in particular from you know across japan probably down in kyushu or in okinawa that have been particularly influential for you so uh i've been couple uh, of a distillery in Kyushu, uh, Shochu uh, distillery, uh, and also the Okinawa Aomori distillery as well. But I think one of the best is uh, not best. If I say best, is that's really uh, unfair. But <laughs> uh, for me, I like uh, Mizuho Shuzo uh, from Okinawa, uh, main city of uh, Shuri. Um, that is uh he the distiller master distiller he's really young and uh, he's uh focusing on different spirits of uh I mean using uh local uh flavor which is like uh, uh sugar cane sugar or awamori which is like a rice and also like uh from uh when I started uh Nomura Shoten uh I went to uh Shoroshuzo Miyazaki. Miyazaki uh, Prefecture, and also like uh, Yanagida Shuzo. Those two are quite interesting approach of uh, Shochu at the moment. So I really uh, uh, support them as well. And also like uh, the taste of, of so tasty too. Mm -hmm. The Miyazaki Shochu basically like a uh, uh, sea potato or uh, uh, barika. Yeah, bari shochu, yeah. 
So, Chris, before we get carried on, as the show's token shochu expert, could you <laughs> shine some light and explain, you know, give us a brief explanation on what those distillers are known for or what, you know, some of their signature labels are for the non-shochu initiated rest of us? Sure. For the folks around the world, some of their bottles are available outside of Japan. For instance, uh, Shoro makes the very popular colorful label of sweet potato shochu, very bright expression. Um, and then Yanagita makes uh, Aokage, which is a lovely, very roasty type of barley shochu that's not actually made with roasted barley. He just, he's a, he's an engineer. So he tweaked his own still so that it tastes like it's roasted. Um, it's it, two very creative young toji who are sort of shaking up the industry as members of that new generation that Sodan just mentioned. And of course, uh, I believe you were referencing, is it Nakazato-san down at, yeah, at Mizuho? Yeah. Mizuho. Yep. And he, another guy who's uh, very creative, loves to do new things. It's a really exciting time to be paying attention to the shochu and awamori world here in Japan because there is a little bit of a changing of the guard. And we have these energetic young people that are not playing by the same rule book that the previous generation did. And, and therefore, we're seeing a lot of new expressions that might be easier to work with in a cocktail. And I think that's what you're getting at. What what makes uh, you made some cocktails at the JSS event involving an expression from Shoro and an expression yeah. from Yanagita, two original cocktails, of course. Um, I'd, I'd love to hear more about working with these drinks in <laughs> cocktails. What's what's that like for you? Actually, like the other one is uh, not Yanagita. It was like uh, Oyama uh, Jinshoten. Oh, that's right. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, I can... Oyama Jinshoten too. They are interested in like uh, yeah, young generations. Uh, Yohei-san. Yohei-san, yeah. yeah. He's amazing. It's actually like Yohei-san and also Nakatato-san. It's born the same age and then they went to the same uh, uh, university. So that's a really interesting story about that. I so love that. And also like... Uh, uh, one more person, uh, Takata Shuzo, uh, Takata Shuzo, uh, yeah. Kumamoto professor, uh -huh. uh, yes, yes, not chan. Yeah, they, they three, uh, are same generation, same age, same, they went to the same uh, university, and then they did uh, start with the making gin, and also they started rum afterwards. These three, honestly, that you should check it out. Uh, so, every, every uh, uh, product is so tasty too. Yeah, she makes hers is what jin 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 or what is it? Ah, yeah, jin jin jin. Yeah. And also the they make in the rum afterwards too. Right, right. And then I... uh, Yohei-san make a uh, jin seven, and after the uh aqua rum afterward. Yeah. And then uh, Nakata-san start uh making the origin, and then rum rum rum. Yeah. So this is crazy. Uh, yeah. Innovation. Is, yeah. <laughs> Love it. So how about for you in terms of innovating? I know that you're doing a lot of R&D. It's part of your, of, of course, you're a menu consultant, you're a bar director, you're designing drinks and bar programs all the time. What does R&D look like for you? You talked about menu creation, new recipes for cocktails as like painting. Yeah. What, what, does, it, what does it look like when you're experimenting and doing R&D? What's your process? Um, it's, uh, uh, as far as uh, R&D in Japan is quite hard because, uh, the alcohol license. So it's not like everyone can do it, but, uh, there is, so there is dream, definitely dream, uh, because, uh, the people like, uh, there's so many new product and then trying to make mix, uh, together. And also one R&D, which is like, uh, it's good for the, uh, promote the the people from uh, outside Japan as well. Uh, R and D themselves is uh, I don't know. It's for me. I just, just uh, new things, and then uh, not all bartenders can do it. That's why I kind of try myself, and then I think once I can do it, it's lots of people 
start like uh, the following up as well. So that's kind of one thing I really want to do R&D in Japan. Do you approach it from, so let's say for instance, you need to make a seasonal cocktail mm-hmm. for quarter room. Do you start with a, do you start with a spirit? Do you start with a garnish? Do you start with a liqueur? What, how do you, how do you start the process? Like if you were going to make a new cocktail with us right now, mm-hmm. where would you start? How do you do that? So for quarter room, it's uh, the concept is the art and the cocktail crossing over. So we do seasonal cocktails, uh, uh, actually like a, a art. So we had a creator of art, art, and then uh, we had artist. And then we just had an interview together, uh, like where you're from, uh, what kind of art you do, uh, what kind of uh, alcohol you like, what do you like uh, coffee or tea? Something like uh, sort of uh, I had a question. And then I, um, I'm going to see the, his art or them art. And then trying to make my filter to create a new cocktails, which is probably like, a, okay, for example, uh, the, the artist likes whiskey and also shochu, which is the body shochu. They don't like a sweet potato. Okay. And then uh, her style of arts, it's kind of stroking uh, the kind of brushing uh, black line. Okay. And then he, uh, also like uh, uh, this, uh, the kind of her story of how can be artist. So I just making like all the information to the myself and if uh, make it uh, to the cocktail. That's the uh, our seasonal cocktail as always doing this. <laughs> wow that's i've never heard that before that's a i i speak to bartenders all the time in japan of course in the united states i have never heard of an approach like that before (laughs) that that is very unique that's obviously that's that's the most that's the most abstract and most holistic dealer's choice scenario i have ever heard of in my life that's remarkable yeah. yeah, just because, uh, and then that was the last time. And uh, this time we share with my team. So I just, uh, we just had an interview all together and then recording uh, the, our interview. And uh, I had a point like, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then I share everyone. And then everyone's asking me, it's like, how about this? And uh, what kind of color do you like? I think this color is better. Okay. Uh, shall we make it with the, uh, the kind of flavor with this? Oh, that's good. Okay, go for it. So we try into that and uh, uh, every like two months, that's our uh, next uh, challenges as well. Yeah. Wow. I don't, I mean, if hearing Soren say this doesn't make everyone listening to the show want to go visit him <laughs> at the quarter loom, I don't yeah. know what does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, as I said, like before, like color could be taste. But there's so many ways to uh understanding anyway. So this is not like a, a correct answer for them. Answer for myself, like my answer, this. Uh, yeah. So this is my answer from their art. Uh, there's so many ways. That's that's the good. That's why I, I decided to, okay, you know, it's hard to say like, oh, this is my answer. And then, uh, no, my answer is not different. That's true. That's fine. But this is my answer. So that's there is so many ways to understand him anyway. So that's the kind of the way to enjoy the cocktails and the enjoy of uh, atmosphere of a bar as well. Oh, that's a beautiful way to approach cocktail making. <laughs> you know, something very unique to you. Nobody else can replicate that. So. <laughs> So going off of this um, R&D, you know, we just heard that you have this beautiful sort of abstract, esoteric way of approaching how you build your cocktails at Quarter Room. I was also interested in hearing what your, um, you know, creative processes are like for 
the line of spirits that you're involved with, um, the One Rum Project. Could you give our listeners a little explanation of what the project is about and how you sort of, what your creative processes were like in designing a rum for each island in Okinawa? Thank you. Um, so One Rum Project is, uh, the beginning was just like, I give uh, the idea of uh, uh, this the project, but uh, the the beginning was so that Nakatosa again, uh, Miso Shuzo, he asked me to uh, Soronsan, um, there's so many sugar cane sugar left over, and then uh, they asked me to make some rum. What should we do? And then uh, the beginning was oh yeah, just blend it all together, and uh, that be like a craft rum in Japan. That's amazing. Yeah, that's true. Then the before we just uh, uh trying to taste the sugar cane sugar. Uh there's eight islands, uh different uh sugar cane sugar came out in front of me. And then I taste it every each other uh the islands sugar cane sugar is actually uh amazingly a different taste. To be honest, I told the Nakata Sans like to be honest. It might be hard, but we should uh making the the rum each island, and then different IPB uh percentage alcohol percentage, and then different way to make it. That's whatever you like, but that is gonna be really well like uh approach of uh, uh Japanese craft rum or like a sugar cane sugar uh rum. So please. And then he says, like, he's really like a scientist or like, uh, you know, uh, he likes making like uh, lots of stuff anyway. He was like, okay, let's do it. And then that's the beginning of our project started. <laughs> Just to be clear, when you're talking about sugarcane sugar, you're talking about kokuto sugar, right? The kokuto, exactly. yeah, this kokuto dark sugar. sugar that is used, it's used in the shochu industry extensively in the Amami Islands as well. Exactly. I think folks from around Europe and around the world, especially now in North America, are already familiar with kokuto sugar. So that's that's really cool to hear that there's such a clear terroir difference in the kokuto sugar that's produced on these eight islands. Can you tell us how big some of these islands are just so that our listeners have an idea of like what what, what kind of space are we talking about here? Okay. Um... Ireland themselves is so small. I think in the two uh few thousand, like ten thousand, no less than ten thousand people live in. So a really small island. But uh making a sugar cane sugar is uh a part of uh, uh making money for the island as well. So they have to do it. But if the sugar cane sugar cannot make it because of uh uh over uh so over making and then they don't sell it anymore. Uh, they have to stop or like less uh making sugar cane sugar, which is not like good for the every each others uh, every uh, each island. So they don't want it to stop. So to be honest, to make a sugar cane sugar, they the for them is really important. And then making rum as well, like that's gonna eat great great the combination together. But uh, the that's why each island I was gonna say that each island is so small. And then uh, people like uh, like more awamori, but some people say like uh, them own rum is more. Uh, they start liking the uh, the the each other um, rum making the rum in the uh, sugar cane sugar. They like it at the moment, so that's great uh, hearing that about from them. And it's yeah, it's supporting as you say the local economy. Sugarcane takes forever to grow to maturity. So we're not talking about um, changes that can easily or quickly be absorbed by the local agricultural community because it some species of sugar can take 18 months to grow to maturity, right? So planning ahead is very important. And if you are coming in with a new use for their the cane, which becomes kokuto sugar, then yeah, you're doing tremendous support for those local communities. I think that's that's fantastic. And it's exciting to hear that you already have or will be making these different rums from the from the different types of kokuto. Is that something that's already in production or are we talking about the future? That's actually like a we done. 
we done eight different uh, island and then uh in august uh we're gonna uh, launch the um uh, branded uh, rum already we had just just a couple of days ago i just uh hands-on uh, uh new product so i tasted i made a, a daiquiri with that that was so smooth so i was so happy with the, the and what Nakata-san did it. So, yeah, I'm going to really excited about next month. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I can't wait until August. So you have eight different rums from eight different islands already. And then the blended one is your ninth product. Yeah. It's all right. Wow. Nine. So how are the characteristic differences between the eight rums? Just to sort of give a brief ex explanation. So as uh, the Chris says, a kind of terroir. So and also the every pieces of uh, uh the sugarcane is different too. So obviously, like uh becomes different flavor and on taste. And uh, what's different is like uh uh someone is really sweet and also like has a cocktail flavor, which is sugarcane sugar, or more like spicy and then dry. And uh, less flavor of a cocktail, but that kind of flavor uh, up on them. And also, what we call uh, kinako means uh, like a dry. Uh, like soybean soy, powder? Yeah, soy, soybean powder. Yeah. Sort of a flavor came up. So it's so many like a way to, and also they had a, obviously like a mineral, which is surrounded by the uh, sea. So there's so many like a kind of slightly salty or like umami flavor has it too so to be honest like the sugar cane sugar is so interesting product in uh, in japan also the world too wow what a diverse breadth of flavor profiles just from your story that's i mean floral characteristics in a rum or maybe some cereal characteristics that's kind of easy to imagine but i would have never thought kinako would be among the flavor profiles that's exciting i'd love to try um all eight different ones and then not, now the ninth one come yeah. august yeah so i'm assuming we can try these at nomura shoten yeah we have uh we still have a uh, eighth and then seventh of uh uh round one lump as well so you can taste as well and then we probably do the events on uh after the launch the uh branded rum as well yeah very cool. Very cool. So let's get into these two bars that you have established, you that you own and have developed here in Tokyo, where we all are right now. The first, of course, was Nomura Shoten. We heard a little bit about Quarter Room. Let's go back to the beginning, though. Nomura Shoten, can you tell us about that bar concept and and what the what type of experience you're trying to create for your customers? So... Nomura Shoten was slightly like accidentally I started open. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was keep uh focused on the quarter room uh at the beginning, but I was so uh, when I was looking for the places, uh I tried to the find tried to find the places near my house, which is like the east side, Shibuya or like Shimokitazawa uh, around the area. But uh, it's really hard to find it, uh, even after COVID. So, and then I was just like, okay, I'm going to do something like, uh, should I move on to the east side? And then um, I found uh, the place in front of a uh, uh, Japanese public bath, mm. which is it's so rare to uh, meet up that kind of uh, place. And I was like, I just fall in love. And then, oh my God, I should do, like, I can imagine that after the bath, Having a cold beer or like a cold gin tonic, how you know happiness <laughs> coming out <laughs> after the half. But so then, okay, what can we do this one? And so I was uh before I was trying to open up my own bar, which is in front. It was a standing bar, and then it's actually like a normal short and small version. And then in back, it was like a cocktail bar, more like a conceptual bar. So I just tried trying to pick up the uh my the standing bar in front to the east side, and is uh the concept is uh, trying uh meeting up a uh, new product like new spirits. Uh, recently like a Japanese people 
uh, are going to the bar, but uh, not often. So kind of bar is more expensive. Uh, they're going to izakaya style, like uh, easy beer, easy like a shochu in the rocks and the soda. Uh, recently like a highball, like whiskey soda as well. But when they go into the uh, bar, they don't know how to order or uh, they don't know what product is. So I want to do like uh, uh, the product, the bartender product, like a bar product in for my bar, at back bar. And then you can see like, oh, what it is? And then this is gin, try out. And then we just only do like a soda or a tonic water or like uh, on the rocks and stuff. So trying to understand what the gin is like, what is whiskey like, and then what the shochu like. And then it's not like, you know, uh, cheap things. Uh, we're trying to like a nice, decent, and uh, crafty, and uh, drinking uh, stuff, and also like a standing, so you don't really like uh, uh, pay that lot of money on it. And also if you like the product, you can buy next door. So I put it on the, the liquor shop and next door as well. So like uh, it's sort of a Japanese kakuuchi, but we call like a, a liquor shop and also like drinking area at the same time. But uh, we trying to separate. So like uh, kakuuchi style and then stand tachinomi, like a standing bar and a liquor shop. That is the, the, my uh, kind of nomura shoten is. Yeah. Wow, that's great. I mean... Just to give our listeners a bit of sort of context on Tokyo geography, you know, on the east side of Tokyo is where you have sort of the older side of Tokyo, more downtown. And on the west side, you know, where there is like Shibuya, Omotesanto, stuff like that, it's more sort of the modern, flashier side of Tokyo. And it's so interesting to sort of see how you've ventured into the east side, into Kuramae, which is, you know, very downtown, but also kind of hipster as well i think recently yeah um, that's tokyo brick green that's what they, they say as so as somebody who is right you know has a front seat to the trends of what people are drinking how, how often they're going out where they're going out uh what what is exciting for you in the cocktail scene in japan right now are you seeing anything interesting Mm, right. Uh, so, well, um, I think it's the uh the. So I've started bartending in London, and then now it's a bartending in Japan. Uh, uh, there's so many like a different product uh going on, and then now the Japan has uh, lots of uh, types of uh uh products imports. So. I think it's quite like interesting to eat easy playing around with the cocktail with it. And also obviously the Japanese uh product too is becoming really lots of the not even like uh, gin, they started re- making whiskey and also liquor as well. To be honest, like uh that is really uh the effect more effect to the cocktail scene in Japan too. Yeah. Yes, to go back to Shoro Distillery, they have like their Setoka Peel product and there's so much innovation going on across the craft distilling landscape here in Japan that it must be almost too much choice, not only for consumers, but also for bartenders in terms of mm. trying to figure out what to work with. That's true. And also even like... A, uh... The people start liking gin and because they're easy to understand because there's so many craft gin around the world in Tokyo, uh, Japan as well. And then when I suggest the kind of new things they understand, which is quite interesting about as well, like just people are curious about alcohol, but just don't know how to drink. So that's the kind of normal short thing should be like uh, the people... Uh, want to be understand what kind of uh, uh, popular things in Japan and then come to talk, uh, Tokyo and then come to Nomura Shoten to understand ah oh, that is a, a popular uh, spirits or liqueur and then they can buy next door and then going back to their hometown and then this, uh, you know that is uh, uh, popular now in Japan and outside uh, Tokyo too so of 
kind of thinking or like uh uh drinking scene thing uh if I say it, I'm really happy with that like I really like appreciate that people going come to my bar and then enjoy the the sort of uh, uh drinks as well yeah speaking of coming to your bar and enjoying drinks did we want to go ahead and have Sora and give us a couple of his favorite recipes to share with our listeners if if uh, that's if that's possible and you have some simple um ideas maybe okay. three ingredients or four ingredients max so like shochu or for me yeah absolutely i'm going to say yes to either shochu or awamori like okay and uh, so i did the um uh the one cocktail in the j CC, okay. Well, last time when I uh the JSS, JSS, JSS sorry, JSS. So the based on the uh kind of high proof of uh sweet potato, with uh you can choose brown sugar or like a uh, uh, simple syrup. Uh, I could say one to one. That's quite nice uh, because if we do that two to one, I think it's, uh the shochu flavor kind of okay, gone. So. And then as bitters are uh, either aromatic bitter, angostura, or vanilla bitter, because uh sweet potato has kind of uh vanillin like uh uh quite like uh the spice notes as well. So you should try that. And then just the old-fashioned style, and then not too much uh, citrus notes afterwards. You could put in the uh cherry after that'd be nice. That's the kind of uh sweet potato old-fashioned that's kind of easy going yeah that's 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 pretty easy to imagine if you know how to put together an old-fashioned we're doing yeah. an old-fashioned riff here the important point being the one-to-one -one with either the brown sugar or simple or syrup just not to overpower the sweet potato shochu and when you talk about a high proof sweet potato shochu we're really just talking 30 you're talking about genshu is that right yeah genshu that's right so probably 36 to 38 percent abv in most cases which i don't need to remind our listeners is a little lower than most conventional western spirits so you can see that it does take a certain amount of dexterity when you're mixing these things to not overpower the spirit and that happens all the time we see a lot of bartenders around the world who are starting to work with shochu and they're starting their journey of discovery with awamori and they're very excited about it. But then they put it in a cocktail with eight or nine ingredients and the and the shochu or awamori disappears. It is in there, but it's not very noticeable. It doesn't really express. And I think this is maybe what you were talking about at the beginning of the our discussion about how it can be tricky to work with these drinks. What what advice do you have for bartenders who are beginning to work with shochu and awamori? What is the the easiest path to success when you're making a cocktail with these drinks? So to me, I I always understand like what the flavor is. Uh so so back on the old-fashioned old uh, old uh, if you think that's not enough, I added like one teaspoon of uh, mezcal because the mezcal has a smokiness and also sweet potato has to come from the earth. So it's actually really works well and also like a unique flavor. Bond has a unique flavor. So that's kind of things you are starting to think about it because that's kind of the complexity of a cocktail as well. And also the, uh, for example, body shochu, they are really like a, a smoke, I mean, a roasty flavor has it. Right. So right. you use that as roasty flavor into the cocktail. You use, but uh, trying to uh, make sure that uh, amount of, uh, I mean, balance of uh, uh, spritz wise, if you want to be like, because uh, shochu is kind of low ABV, so I, I always like kind of trying to double split, trying to use the high alcohol as well. Trying to like uh, vodka or gin, and then gin has roasty, is normally it's fine. So like uh, gin, uh, wearing the, the shochu, 
kind of sort of uh, 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 imagine. Yeah. Then uh, you can uh, mix with it. That actually like does like it's kind of uh, after like shaking or uh, uh, staring. It actually like a jean wearing the uh, shochu uh, uh, tops and then walking down through the, your mouth. That's the that's the way. <laughs> wow! Here we have the artist sword again. <laughs> I loved it. Jin wearing a a top of shochu, shochu walking down your mouth. right after it came out of the sento and yeah. is walking right. across the street <laughs> into Nomura Shoten. I love it. Yeah. I was like, uh, that's the kind of my imagine as well. So yeah, this I want to say like trying to use a little bit fast or just uh, uh, you think that is the kind of flavor then use it that's the kind of beginning of use uh uh shochu and then after that you're just trying to understand what's the flavor like matching blah 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 so then then shochu cocktail is going to be like really uh easy to make as well right right because it's so versatile so what is your feeling about you know um shochu sort of potential in the bar scene especially in the international market outside of japan do you think it's gaining in popularity um do you think it's still got a long way to go uh to be honest um it's actually my uh, the, the spirits from my country so uh i want them to be like really like a long seller and then lots but uh so last time when I went to the JSS, it's uh, uh, talking about number of uh, how many uh, shochu and sake uh, importing from Japan, uh, from uh, from Japan. It was really tiny. I was like cross shocked. So, um, so probably like it's gonna be that takes a long time to uh, understand all this uh, stuff, but um, it actually like you have to do it like step by step little by little and then but to be honest yeah just the shochu future is definitely they have uh, lots of uh, dream and also the potential of uh, uh, cocktails and also like straight like how to drink as well like there's so many potential as well so like if you don't know try first and then uh, play with it and then you, you will understand what the shochu like and uh more easy to like use for the any like mix with so mm. well that's why we have none other than chris pellegrini here yes, spreading the good word of shochu <laughs> and aomori over in the um in the u.s i guess maybe this might be more of a chris question but um seeing how you know shochu is still sort of shochu in the international market is still in its sort of infant phase what can we do or what can the industry in Japan do to help sort of propel that movement or push that movement forward? I think it's it's a lot more of what Soran is doing right now, which is finding innovative, fun ways, creative ways to apply shochu and awamori to the cocktail culture that Japan does so well, but tends to rely on Western spirits a lot of the time. And so we would love to see a lot more of this innovation poured into indigenous Japanese spirits. And I want to see that all over Instagram. And I want to see lots of exciting events. I love the concept, the idea of art meets, you know, Inshokuten. I love that the, the, you know, drinks and art, drinks and music. It's just the beautiful things from life that does, that belong together. And if we can do more to show, everybody's watching. Everybody's watching Japan. Everybody loves to see what Japan is doing creatively. It's a source of inspiration. So I want to see a lot more of this publicly displayed for the rest of the world to consume. And that's why I'm such a big fan of... Soran Nomura and Nomura Shoten. I haven't been to Quarter Room. Uh, these types of venues and this type of energy is exactly what we need. And we need a lot of it. And we need it all the time. So I want to say thank you to Mr. Soran Nomura and 
everything that you're doing right now is exactly what the industry, the show to industry needs, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. Um, and for those of you out there listening right now, if it's not already a bucket list item for you, your bucket list isn't long enough. Nomura Shoten and Quarter Room in Tokyo, absolute must visits when you're coming to Japan. And I know a lot of you are thinking about that. Mm. Great. Um, so in terms of like getting shochu more into the bars, uh, shochu and awamori more into the bars over in the U.S. and also in, in bars around the world, would you say that like I hear from some of my bartending friends that sometimes um, low ABV of shochu can be a bit of a problem, um, like Soran alluded to earlier in our conversation. Do you think maybe there is a bigger demand for higher ABV shochu and Japanese spirits in general? My personal opinion is that both work. And I think even though people don't always ask for it, they really appreciate a low alcohol cocktail on the menu. They love it. They really like the fact that they can have an interesting drink that isn't loaded with alcohol so that they can enjoy a longer evening. They can drink a little bit more slowly and have another drink, you know, rather than a super boozy American style cocktail or Western style cocktail. And you can have two and then you're like, whoa, all right. We really put the pedal to the metal here, didn't we? Or, you know, you can rework the proportions. And I don't know, um, I'm going to throw this to Soran so that he can he can comment on this. And I don't know if he does something similar, but you can work on the ratios and the proportions, feature the shochu, feature the awamori, bring the alcohol down a little bit and and still have a beautiful drink. What do you I don't know. What's your feeling or experience with that? I totally agree with you, uh, Chris. And uh, because I became bartender in London and then London cocktails is like huge amounts of I mean like so boozy and then <laughs> and also like they love the shot as well so I can't sure. really in, enjoy the cocktail sometimes and then but this yeah, that's why the I'm not saying because of then uh, shochu or almori has to be like high alcohol um it should be like they had a two-way and then if you want, then also like a flavor is really powerful anyway. So it's not really have to like a high alcohol or like a, even low alcohol has really amazing like a flavor too. So we just trying to like figure out to what's the flavor is matching or the amount of balance and stuff like that. So that's kind of our side of a job. Uh, so because I, I like shochu with a uh, imo shochu, that sweet potato shochu with a uh, hot water, the best. Oh, I think yes. all three of us can agree on that. Yes. Yeah, oyuari is by far Oyuari my most favorite. is the best. And also because you can drink like forever. No. <laughs> it's, it's just everything you'd want in a drink for me. Like it's comforting, you know, yeah. it's versatile, it's easy enough to make at home. And. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's that because the uh, uh, the oyuari is with the shochu, the shochu alcohol percentage is like actually like twenty five or thirty. That's the best uh, kind of balance. So so again, like they, I can't really say that the uh, high alcohol shochu is the best. It's actually they have to have it. It's fine because uh, it's uh, much easier to like a cocktail with it, but. There's this low ABV, uh, shochu, aomori, have to be there because uh, flavor, come out of flavor is totally different too. That's how I make it anyway. So. Yeah, so it is a bit of a question of, do you simply want to plug and play? Do you want to take, you want to take the vodka out or the gin out of this cocktail recipe and put a shochu or aomori in there without changing the volume, the, the amounts of the recipe. So one ounce of this and an ounce and a quarter of that. If that's your goal, then I guess you have to go with higher alcohol in some cases. But if you're willing to rebalance, as Soran said, rebalance the recipe, you can do beautiful things with these drinks because they are very expressive, even at 25% ABV. 
Well, thank you so much, Soram, for joining us today and sharing a little bit of your philosophy and your approach and everything that you've assembled on your journey thus far. It's really exciting to be kind of in the room and in your head a little bit as you are starting this new phase. So many new phases, honestly, um, that are related to craft spirits in Japan and how your experience overseas is influencing it and back and forth and what we can do to make the future brighter. Really appreciate everything you shared with us today and hope to have you back on the show again sometime in the future. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, I really appreciate it. I, so I was talking about um, my Thai life of bartender and uh, I hope the, the listener enjoyed it. Uh, my Swanish and uh, the podcast. Thank you. So thank you for joining us again, everybody. Marie and I are signing off from Tokyo, Japan. Of course, if you have questions or comments or anything else that you'd like to share with us, ideas, then reach out to questions at sakeonair.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram if you would like to interact. We always love that. Sake on Air, as always, is produced by Pots K Productions and edited by Frank Walter. One final bear hug to the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association based in Toranomon. Always a good visit if you're in Tokyo for the, for the week. Go to the Sake Information Center and try out some of their goodies. Until we speak again, Kampai from Tokyo.